We have some breaking news with potential conference realignment. Lena Winslow grabs a stronghold on the NUIC crown. And Mitch, it's Sterling Moline Week. Are you ready to go? Yeah, it doesn't get any better than this. Let's go. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined as always by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, how you doing this this week? How you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, you know, another nice night, nice Friday night here for, for coverage-wise. Um, you know, I don't think there was a whole lot of surprises per se this week, um, but we do get a little bit more clarity on playoff pictures, on conference titles. Um, still a lot to shake out. There's still really important games throughout all the four conferences that we talk about here in the next two weeks that are, again, going to determine more playoff spots, um, playoff positioning, and, and again, it's going to determine some of these conference crowns. So this is really the, the most exciting time of the year, uh, these final two weeks of the season and leading right into the playoffs. Mitch, every year I say it, that when we start the season, I think, man, this is the most exciting time of the year. And then yeah. we get in three or four weeks, and I think, man, this is the best time of the year, right in the heart of the season. And then yeah. we get to this part, and I like this. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then we get to playoff time, and I like that. Yeah, I think it's still playoff season, right? Like, there's yeah. nothing, nothing beats a Saturday first-round playoff game. Like, that That really, to, to me, is the best time of the year. So, yeah, yeah. we've been fast and loose with that um because it's, it's also exciting right but yeah this is again these final two weeks and then right in the playoffs that's really the the sweet spot so exciting time yeah I agree and we're going to talk all about week eight and all of the huge matchups along the way maybe none bigger than the one in the western big six Sterling and Moline it's the matchup we've kind of had circled for a long time and here we are it's 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 basically the western big six conference championship on the line we'll talk about that down the way a little bit But Mitch, we got some breaking news in our area this week. It was announced, St. Bede announced in a recent Three Rivers Athletic Conference meeting their intention to leave the track. And now the thing is they want to leave at the end of this year so that they've made their decision to leave at the end of the year, which, I mean, I'll be honest, St. Bede is one of the smaller schools and it's one of the farther out distance-wise schools. But I, I didn't really see this coming. It, it did kind of surprise me a little bit. What were your thoughts when you heard this? Yeah, um, it's kind of the same. Even back to when I was playing, you know, Prue St. Bede was a, a, a good member, pivotal member of the conference. And with their recent success recently, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, again, if they're saying that their intention is to leave I don't know if they have a plan in place. We haven't heard of one. You know, we're hearing rumblings a little bit. I would think they would want to have a plan in place before they left, unless their plan is to go independent. I don't I don't know. But, you know, maybe they, they can see down the pipeline if numbers are going to become an issue. I don't know. I don't want to speculate why they want to move. It's got to be something because they've had such such nice success recently um, in the track for football. Obviously, another playoff team this year. So, yeah, um, and for as – as unfortunate as that might be, it opens up some interesting opportunities uh, for the teams in the track. Uh, do they add a team? Do they start doing crossover games with their conferences? I think that would be fun. You and I talked offline that, you know, uh, NUIC already has a couple out of conference games. This could be a nice transition. That'd be kind of cool to see. So yeah, uh, we'll see how this plays out. 
yeah, I'm interested to see kind of how it plays out, especially when you start thinking about the future of Riverdale's program. I don't know yeah. that we have, we haven't really heard anything officially. Or, or, oh. and, and West Carroll, we, you never know, you know, you just never know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, looking at the Northwest Upstate Illini, um, you know, West Carroll is back playing 11 man this year. They're struggling obviously with a winless season. I don't know numbers wise where they're at right now, but on right. the Riverdale side, we have not really confirmed that they'll be back next year at 11 man, that they will have the ability to do that. We certainly hope they can. I mean, Riverdale yeah. is a core member of the Three Rivers Athletic Conference as well, but that becomes a question when they have already sat out this year and now St. Bede is going to be gone next year. Um, I have heard sources around the Three Rivers Athletic Conference and different people in the area that it sounds like St. Bede will be returning to the Tri-County Conference for all sports except for football. So mm -hmm. Tri-County Conference doesn't have a football aspect to it. So when I hear that, it does make me think a little bit about Ottawa Marquette, who's a 1A school, very close to St. Bede, who's also been playing independently recently. It makes me think there may be something in the works there. I don't have any sort of confirmation on that. We did reach out to the St. Bede athletic director trying to see if we could get, you know, just any information on where they were going or what the new conference was going to be, but uh, we have not heard back yet. So right. really interesting times overall because Mitch, I mean, uh, Fulton left to go to the NUIC a couple of years ago, but we'd been in kind of a, a steady a, a holding steady, you know, state for a few, uh, for right. a year or two here. And it seems like, you know, just when you kind of feel comfortable, the landscape is never really, you know, solid. Right. And we're going to see that too in, in the Lincoln trail next year, right. When they kind of absorb Prairie land. Yep. Is that, so that, is that, the, is that Prairie the land. Yeah. Prairie land will combine with the, uh, right. Lincoln Trail, and they'll kind of do a big school, small school division right. type of thing. Yep. Yeah. So I think we're we're always going to have an element of that of, of if it not just conference realignment. I think we're going to always have teams in that West Carroll or not West Carroll. I'm sorry, but teams that we've seen have to drop down to eight man. Think things of that nature. I think we're always going to have that. Um, and so again, we'll we'll see. Again, there's opportunities there. there there's some cool things that they could do and. In, in, uh, have ways to fill that schedule, you know, with, with so many teams still, still around, but yeah, uh, it was an interesting news to hear. Um, was not expecting it whatsoever. So we'll see what happens from, from here and, and where they go. Yeah, we will definitely be following this and uh, any information we get, we will be sure to pass it along to, to everyone listening. Um, Mitch, before we keep going, we want to let everyone know if they want to support our podcast and they like what we're doing here, it's as easy as going to PayPal. You can head to paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. Again, that's paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. Donations help with the cost of subscriptions and podcast hosting fees. As always, we thank you for listening. We would encourage you to spread the word. Let people know in the area what we're doing here week to week. We love getting, you know, the positive news out there about our local high school teams and just kind of promoting the great football in our area. Well, let me, I, I think that was well said, but I wanted to ask something before we, uh, we get into, into the games here, because you, right. had a special, you had a special role on, uh, on Friday night on the score um, <laughs> I did. That, I want, I, that I want you to talk about. But I also want to say, uh, having listened to the instant reacts, that you guys nailed the Iowa-Illinois score predictions. Like, you couldn't have gotten that more accurate. I, on, on Saturday night, I was watching the Notre Dame game, 
And in, in my group text with my friends, they were all watching the Iowa-Illinois game. Yeah. And so I was hearing, hearing bits and pieces of it. And I'm like, man, I gotta, this Notre Dame game has got to get over so I can, I can switch over. And luckily, luckily it did. So the Irish game got over. And let me just say, I watched 86 seconds of actual game time in that game. <laughs> Iowa has the worst offense I've ever seen. <laughs> I've, ever, I've, watched, I've watched a lot of football over the years. And I, I have never seen something so inept. <laughs> and that's why there's nepotism laws, you know, yeah. this shouldn't happen. I'm sorry to all the Iowa fans. I, ah, again, 86 seconds was all it took for me to look at that and say, what is going on here? <laughs> Mitch, you, who guys, knew? you guys nailed the predictions. You, I don't think anybody predicted a t- touchdown and yeah. you guys nailed it. Yeah. I was going to say stocking, I think said like 13, I think it was 13, nine. Yeah. yeah. Like so he was really close. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knew, Mitch, that it took a really bad Iowa offense to almost inspire me to want to do a college football podcast with you? Because right. these sorts of rants is what I need. Yeah, it would just be me dogging on Brian Ferentz. And I don't even like Iowa. I could care less. I just, again, <laughs> I just, I don't know how it's possible to be so bad. Now, credit to their defense, because the defense is pretty good. Yeah. But I just don't understand how it's possible to be that bad. But well. On, on the bright side, you know, we like to look at the positives here on the View from the West podcast, Mitch. Yeah. On the bright side, we had three players from our listening area yeah, that's making true. a huge impact. Right. We had no, Jennings, question. Yeah, Jennings, no question. Jennings Dunker getting playing time from Lena Winslow on the Iowa yep. Hawkeye side of things. You also had Logan Lee from Orion mm-hmm. making impacts on the defensive side for the Hawkeyes. And on the Illinois side of the football Mitch, how about Matthew Bailey? Yeah. This kid continues to impress, and it's so awesome. Well, and Brett Beal is from Provincetown, right? Yep, so, absolutely. You know, there you go, yeah. And, and, and played there. So, yeah, we, there's a lot of local connections there in the game. Um, yeah, I had turned that game on when I saw that because I, I had seen the highlight of Matthew Bailey's interception. I think that was with, like, 146 left in the game or something. And something happened in the 26 seconds that Iowa got the ball back, so I, I don't know. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, so I just missed that play, but yeah, um, again, cool to see. We, we like seeing that. You know, it, it doesn't happen a lot, right, mm-hmm. that we get names playing on a big stage like that for big programs, certainly not in their first couple of years. So, yeah, um, yeah, really cool, really cool to see that despite um, how bad, you know, that game was. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk good football, right? Let, let's talk. Yeah, let's, yeah, there's good. plenty to talk about. Yeah, there's plenty to talk about there. Good Illinois high school football Mitch, we're going to, before we jump into week eight, let's look at the playoff outlook here. We have 98 teams that have clinched. So they have six wins in this year's playoff field. That means there's 158 berths still remaining. Now Mm -hmm. in our area, we have seven teams that are at that six win mark. That's Anwan Weathersfield in class 1A, along with Lena Winslow and St. Beat Academy. We also have in 2A, Rockridge. In 3A, we have Princeton, Moline is in 7A, and Sterling in 5A. So there's our seven from our area that they're in the playoffs. We're not talking eight, man. We'll talk to their playoff um, scenarios in a little bit down the road. But for right now, for our 11-man, those are our playoff teams. Mitch, give us the breakdown on the five and two, four and three teams we have left here. Yeah, let me start by saying I had to hand count these. Um, So... Job well know, done. I, I saw it in the I, notes and thought, this is good research here. Yeah. I, I so it, it may be inaccurate. I don't know. So there's, <laughs> okay. there, there's 158 spots left. Right now, there are 155 teams that have a record of either five and two or four and three. 
There are 66 teams that are five and two. Obviously they have qualified um, yep. the way these numbers are shaking out. That's probably automatic. Yeah. There are 89 teams that are four and three. So um, again, a lot to shake out. Can't really say for sure of those 155 teams, what their schedules look like. Um, and there's, there's still a chance that there are three and four teams that could get in right at either um, uh, let's just say four and five teams for, for the sake of saying it. So yeah, it's going to shake out that we could see that in certain classes, maybe not all of them. Um, but yeah, we're getting down to it. So of those 155 teams that are either five and two or four and three, again, this next week is going to reduce that number down a lot, but it's also going to increase the number of teams that have gotten that automatic clinch of a six win. Yep. So we're going to jump in and talk week eight. We'll recap a little bit of week seven. If you want to hear more of the reaction from week seven, of course, you go out and you check out the instant reacts podcast from week seven. Mitch, I was back uh, in the WQAD studios and uh, I was, I was on set. I was back, back to anchoring, back uh, reading highlights. I got to read two different highlights, two different scripts from Dan Pearson. He is, Mm. he's the best. His scripts are the best. So well written. Yeah. Well mapped out. You're right. Still got it. It it was great. So uh, I was covering uh, Rockridge and Sherrard. So I was relatively close by the station and uh, got back in plenty of time to read some highlights. It was a lot of fun. Well, let's jump into the action from the Western Big Six from week seven. Sterling gets the 56 to 19 win over Rock Island. The Golden Warriors now up to number eight in the AP poll. They were in complete control of this one on homecoming night. They scored eight of their first nine possessions to remain unbeaten in the Western Big Six. J.P. Schilling, Antonio Tablante both ran for 100 yards. Kale Ryan not too far behind him as that rushing attack continues to impress. But Mitch, it's that Golden Warrior defense getting the job done as well. Yeah, um, as they have all season, right? So I, th- I think we talked about on the preview preview pod that one of the keys to the game was obviously going to be able to do or, or try and do anything you can to stop Quantarian Brooks. He's had such a good year for Rock Island. He's such a dynamic player. He's the Western Big Six rushing leader. Uh, and the Warrior Gold Warrior defense certainly did that. They held him to, I believe it was 90 yards. And 80 of them came on one play. I think he had 10 attempts for 11 yards other than that one long run. So, wow. Yeah. And, and they, they were also able to even the, cause the rocks did score a few times in this, in this game. Um, but the golden Warriors, it seemed like Sterling was able to respond to every threat. So th- there was a play early where Brooks was going, they were inside the five, they stripped him, they recovered. Um, there are other times if rock Island did score, Sterling came right back and scored right back. So, uh, this was a really, really good game by Sterling. Again, what we've seen all year from them, uh, what we expect at this point. And it just makes this this coming week's game against Moline all that more exciting with everything on the line. Yeah, we're going to get to the Maroons in a second here. Run down some of the numbers like we mentioned. Schilling goes for 124 yards, a touchdown. He was also 5 for 7 passing, so very efficient through the air. Antonio Tablante continues to kind of just ground and pound, Mitch. He's kind of their... They're yeah. workhorse and it's nothing flashy, but I feel like he's always a reliable back. He going back to last year, he has 118 yards, three touchdowns. I guess what I'm trying to say, yeah, I'm not saying it well, but consistency. He's yeah. always consistent. That's what I love about Tablante at running back for this Golden Warriors team. You have Kale Ryan, 16 rushes for 89 yards, three more scores. He had a pair of catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. Like you mentioned, Quintarian Brooks, 90 yards, now over 1,000 yards on the season. 
So this young man continues to impress for Rock mm-hmm. Island. Connor Duglio passes for 200 yards and two touchdowns in the loss. But for the Golden Warriors, this this sets them up right where they want to be playing for a Western Big Six title. Yeah, and I was able to I was able to watch some of this game. So shout out Golden Warrior TV. Uh, shout out Arthur's. You know we could have <laughs> we could have called this game the Arthur's Bowl, right? Two two of the uh, Arthur's locations there, Sterling Rock Island. Not to uh, Mitch, fault, but that doesn't count. <laughs> Mitch, as I like to say, not a sponsor, but they could be. Oh, if it, anyone's listening, oh, if Arthur's could be a sponsor. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um it, anyway uh shout out Arthur's um I was able to watch some of this and when you talk about Kale Ryan um I watched one of his touchdowns I don't remember what which one it was but I mean he's just a bulldozer he was yeah. full speed and it, it, he had contact right at the at, right at the goal line and it just just went right <laughs> over the Rocky defender so uh, again it, it's a three-headed beast you know on a rushing tech it's been so hard to defend this year um, and like you mentioned with Schilling being a pretty efficient passer, it's just another element for this, this golden warrior team. So, um, yet another good win for them. Um, and as we, as we will talk about here in a couple of minutes, what a big game this is going to be here this week. Mitch, we need more sound effects on the podcast. You doing that, like slap of the hand for the bulldozer thing. That's, that's good stuff. Good radio, good yeah. audio, uh, listening there. Right. Yeah. If you, if you heard the hit, it'd be probably even more, uh, effective <laughs> than me slapping my hands together. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move along to United Township gets the win 47 to six over Rock Island. Alleman Panthers snap an eight game losing streak. This is their first win of the year behind a big night from Corey Randall. Mitch, I've really been impressed with Corey Randall going back to last year too. I've always thought there was such potential there. He really kind of saw that play out in this one starting quarterback. Matthew Kelly was out. So the junior stepped in rushed for 95 yards, three touchdowns. He also added a receiving touchdown as well. I, he's just fun to watch play football. Yeah. Just dynamic all over the field. Um, I'm not quite sure if he plays defense. I'm sure that he does. I don't know why you take him off the field, but he's really, really good in special teams, you know, yep. return, take return. Um, so yeah, when, when you have Matthew Kelly out, he's such a good talent here and having a good season for UT. Um, they were able to play some backups here, Greg, they, they not backups. Let me, let me rephrase that underclassmen. You had sophomore QB Christian Peterson got some pivotal playing time here with Kelly out. He finished with 78 yards passing uh, with the touchdown pass to Randall. Um, but they also kind of iced this game. Um, not going to say they iced it, I guess, but um, stretched the lead out further behind freshman running back Isaiah Navarrete. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Nice game for him. He had uh, two touchdown runs in the fourth quarter of 62 and 58 yards. Greg, he finished with 140 yards on four carries as a freshman. So um, th- this is a, a great, a great win for UT. Tough, tough year. Obviously, a tough year for Alleman as well. But um, yeah, good to see UT snap that that losing streak and, and and get one here this year. I was gonna say, yeah, they were certainly hungry for a win, and you know, to get in the win column in this sort of fashion and to have some underclassmen getting some, you know, big time production on the field, that's got to mm-hmm. feel good. You know, it's got to be a little bit of a silver lining in this victory. So, uh, yeah, congrats to the Panthers on getting that win. Mitch, let's move along to Moline getting the win 55 to 10 over Galesburg. Moline racks up 500 yards of total offense, came up with big plays on defense as well. So they remain undefeated in conference play. That sets up the game we've been hyping up. It's Moline Sterling week. Yeah, this this was a bit of a tune-up game for Moline. Obviously, Galesburg has, has had a tough year, but um, they, they put this one away early. Third play of the game, Cooper Marsh gets a pick six. Um, and, and already, you know, put the game away. But then again, like we kind of talked about with with Sterling, it was a lot of the same names, but some new names too. Uh, Grant Sibley, Riley Fuller, 
Aubrey three, Johnny Neenhaus, Pablo Perez, all scored from the ruins, all on the ground. So um, I think they had 400 yards rushing. I think Sibley had a hundred yards passing. So um, yeah, just a, a nice balanced attack here for Moline. Great win again, tune up and the big one here coming up. Yeah. You got to be encouraged if you're a Moline Maroons fan to see, you know, several different names getting in the end zone there, you know, there's talent spread out throughout the roster and they're, and they're getting I, the job done. Yeah. I hadn't heard Aubrey Threek's name all year. No, and I saw his highlights on the score and like that man, that young man can fly. So yeah. Um, just another, you know, another added element for that Maroon offense. Yeah. I kind of thought the same thing when I was, when I was watching it, I, I had the exact same thought, like, man, where's this kid coming from? So, yeah. you know, that's, a, that's a luxury to have. Right. Uh, one more game to cover here before we talk week eight. Quincy gets the 35 to 17 win at Geneseo. Quincy bounces back to become playoff eligible behind their big playmakers. Sophomore quarterback, Braden Little, senior wide receiver, Gregory Quince. The names we've talked about, they're the leaders in passing and receiving yards, and they continue to do it in this game against Geneseo. Little throws for 301 yards, three scores. Gregory Quince from wide receiver position hauls in 187 yards receiving and a touchdown. Mitch, it's, it's a dynamic duo in an offense and an overall team effort. This Quincy team is really good. They've really impressed me, and they're young. A lot of these players are going to be back again next year. Yeah, like you mentioned, Brayden Little, only a sophomore. so And they don't have, you know, arguably their best player even on, on the field this year with Aiden Byquist out. So yep. uh, I'm not quite sure if he's coming back, but either way. Um, yeah, this was a really, really good win for, for Quincy. Obviously, they're sitting at four and two coming in, so they do get that fifth win. I believe they'll be in 5A. Is that right? Are they? I would have to look real quick. Have, they're I, usually I hovering around four or 5A. Right yeah, now, did, the I did, IHSA. I yeah, right now the IHSA has them listed, um, I believe, in 5A. Okay. Either way. Um, so, yeah, great win for them. Good to see them back in the playoffs. Uh, but also the Leafs didn't go down without a fight. They were down 35-3, to uh, ended the game on a 14-0 run behind the, the legs of uh, junior running back Dron Neal. He finished with 145 yards in those two scores. So, for Geneseo now, uh, they're facing – basically a must win in uh, in this coming week against rock island for their playoff hopes to stay alive as well so um again one of those games that doesn't it's not going to affect their conference standings too much i mean it will but the more important thing is for them to get playoff eligible um i don't remember who they play in week nine i think it's it's sterling or moline so um this again week eight against rock island very much a must win for them i stand corrected quincy is solidly a 6a program a 6a okay yep so I, I did not realize, uh, yeah, they're up in 6A. So looking through the list, Sterling at Moline, United Township at Galesburg, Geneseo at Rock Island, Quincy at Alleman. So Mitch, you already kind of referenced Geneseo at Rock Island. That's a big game for mm-hmm. both teams, but like you referenced, a big game for the Maple Leafs. But let's talk about the big one. Let's talk about Sterling at Moline. Mm-hmm. What do you see in this one? What, what stands out in this matchup? Well, it's going to be two really, really good defenses, right? Um, against two really high-powered rushing attacks. So yeah. um, it could be a, a game that comes down to who can control the clock, who has the ball last, um, you know, limiting possessions for the other team. I don't, I don't know if either offense will impose their will on, the, on either defense. Um, obviously, for Moline, you're, you're going to be focused on 
those three guys, J.P. Schilling, Antonio Tablante, Kale Ryan, um, and, and for Sterling, you're going to be focused on the host of, of maroon players, Grant Sidley, Riley Fuller, especially. We saw, again, like we just talked about, Aubrey Three kind of came onto the scene here this past week. So just there's names all over the field on offense and defense. Really can't wait for this one. I don't even know if I can predict this one. Um, I guess if I had to, if you want to play that game, we could. I'd have to think about it for about 30 seconds because it's, it's just a toss-up. It really is. Yeah. Um, I When we talked on the Instant Reacts podcast, I just kind of went back to what I said at the beginning of the season. And I thought it was going to be a really tight race between Moline and Sterling. Mm-hmm. In my preseason prediction, I said that Sterling would win the conference. Okay. So that kind of by default means that I would think Sterling is going to win this game. Yeah. I still, I mean, overall, like, my thoughts really haven't changed on both teams. I think both teams are very good. I've been impressed with both teams throughout the year. It was a tough decision then. It's a tough decision now. Yeah. I, I think when I, when I look at this one, I, I don't think it's going to be real high scoring. Do you? That was a question that Stocking brought up or um, Dazzo had kind of mentioned it. I, we, we were going back and forth. I don't see it being real high scoring. Yeah. Um, again, it's one of those things where it wouldn't surprise me if it did just because yeah. their offenses are so good. Yeah. But I also don't expect that either. Um, yeah. I guess if you're going Sterling, I almost agree with you. Um, Moline at home. I do like that aspect of it. Browning is not an easy place to play. Um, there's certainly nothing that Moline has done wrong that I'm not, thinking that they'll win it's just that I've just been so impressed with how Sterling has scored right um Moline has had weeks where Riley Fuller has a ton of yards and has really set the pace whereas Sterling it seems like week in and week out they don't have one of the three guys stand out above the other two it's always been a balanced attack either through the air or all three of them on the ground um but I, I think I think Sterling's defense will give them the edge in this. So I think I'm going to agree with you. Sterling wins under 10 points. Yep. Yep. That, that makes sense. That sounds about right to me. Which, which now that I say that someone's going to win like 40 to 20 and it's, you know, <laughs> well, you know, that's what happens. Good. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. So, you know, I think, I think a big thing, a big potential X factor in this game is which team can find that little bit of success through the air. Both teams yeah. are going to run the ball. That's that's kind of what they do at the core of their offense. But which team can find just enough success passing to keep a defense off balance and kind of find that extra edge? Because these defenses are so good that it's tough. It's not going to come easy, but I think that's yeah. a difference maker potentially. Well, and I think we've seen both of these teams take advantage of, of turnovers, scoring off of turnovers. So yep. if they if these defense are if these defenses are able to get a turnover, can the offenses turn that into points? Because I think those opportunities they might be few and far between. Um, and so when they are, use that to your advantage and get points from that situation. Can either one of those teams do that? They, they've proven they they've done it all year. So can they do it in a big game? Yep. Well, a huge game there. It's the Western Big Six Conference Championship essentially on the yeah. line in week eight here. Sterling at Moline. We'll be covering that one. WQAD, the score, will have all the highlights and all the reaction from that yeah. one for a huge night um, in Moline. 
Mitch, the other, uh, you know, games around the Western Big Six, you know, United Township at Galesburg. Can UT yeah. keep it going here? Um, I don't know what uh, Matthew Kelly's status is. It'd be yeah. nice to have him back, obviously. But, man, Corey Randall looks electric. And can United Township keep it going? Galesburg reeling a little bit. But, you know, we've talked about a few playmakers that Galesburg has as well. And they'll have the home field advantage in this one. Yeah, um, obviously an opportunity for one of those teams to get a, their second win of the year. Um, so it's certainly an important game for, for both of them. Um, obviously, we expect Quincy to win against Alleman. Um, But then, again, Geneseo at Rock Island, I think, is Rock Island – do the Rock Island have five wins or are they still sitting at four? Rock Island, I was just looking. Rock Island's at four wins. They're four right. and three. They right. have Geneseo this week, and then they go on the road to Quincy the following – in week nine. Okay. And you have Geneseo – which is four and three Rock Island this week on the road. They're at home against Moline. So this so you, is a, this is a huge game for it's both a, it's those must, teams. Yeah. It's a must win for either team. Um, a Rock Island at Quincy, I think will be, a, will be a fun matchup, but I, I don't yeah. think you want to, I don't think you want to rest your playoff hopes on that. You never want to week nine anyway, and you certainly don't want to against Quincy. So um, yeah, I think that this is a must win for both teams at Rock Island um i like the way rock island has played recently um not not so much against sterling but you can't really take a whole lot of stock in that either um you know geneseo got in a deep hole against quincy so i'm gonna say rock island at home on that one yeah i think what makes me yeah what makes me a little worried if i'm geneseo is that they gave up a lot of points early to quincy so maybe that's a situation where you learn some things and you hopefully you can, you know, you saw what can happen there, but um, that does. Yeah. The Geneseo will certainly have to play better defensively. Well, and we talk about Quintarian Brooks so much and for good reason, but I don't think we've given enough love to Connor DeLulio either. Cause he can slam. Yeah. And so if, if Braden little put up the numbers that he did, um, that certainly gives uh, rock Island kind of the same opportunity because yeah, I don't think we talked about rock Island's passing attack enough. We certainly did last year. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to give them the edge against Geneseo here this week. Yep. Uh, also, uh, Quincy at Rock Island Allman. So you expect that Quincy will be able to go on the road and get that win. Yep. That would set them up with at six, six yep. wins with the uh, matchup against Rock Island at home in week nine. Right. So um, that's where Quincy sits at this very moment. Mitch, are we ready to move into the three rivers? Yeah, um, well, arguably one of our bigger games of, of the week in terms of interest, and it turned out the same way that most of Princeton games go, yeah. right? <laughs> so Princeton gets the win over St. Bede. It was the battle of unbeatens in the Three Rivers Athletic Mississippi Conference. Princeton comes away 56-7. to St. Bede did start out fast in this one. They drive down to the Princeton 10-yard line on three plays. But they quickly, Princeton quickly turns the tide after stopping the Bruins on downs. The first offensive play for, for Princeton, Augie Christensen goes 83 yards for a touchdown, and all the momentum is gone for the Bruins. Yep. And that's just the way they score so quick. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the way that's been happening all year. And St. Pete certainly saw it firsthand here. Yeah. And again, this was partly expected, right? Princeton's a bigger school. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen it happen in the past. So, but. Uh, I was interested to see if St. Bede could do anything against Princeton. 
Um, and I think that that's more credit to Princeton than it is, you know, uh, thinking that St. B played bad because I'm, I'm a huge fan of John Brady and, and what they've been doing this year. But yeah, very, very, very typical Princeton game from there. So after Christensen's touchdown run, Tigers scored two more times in the first quarter, two more times in the second quarter. Uh, they were up 28 at half and, and on their way to the 56-7 win. And now they're, they're firmly in that driver's seat as, as they always seem to be the last six seasons or so. Uh, for that track Mississippi crown. Yep. It a historic night out at Princeton yeah. with the yeah. win. Ryan Pearson, head coach, ties the Princeton High School record for most wins as a coach at 44. He ties Joe Ryan, who coached at Princeton from 95 to 2003. So credit to coach Ryan Pearson. I when when he was hired, I really thought this was a great hire for Princeton. It was Ryan Pearson came in with a great resume. He had been at Canton in the previous, in his previous head coaching stint, and he'd really turned them around and they had a magical run in the playoffs one of his years there. And it just felt like everything kind of fell into place for a Princeton program that was ready to really make that leap. And they have done that and they have maybe exceeded those expectations. The program now, it's really crazy to think where it's, where it was to where it's at now. Yeah. Um, and again, when they get to the playoffs this year, it's going to be another tough road for them, which is unfortunate because I, I think Princeton is one of the top teams in the state. I really do. Yeah. I think that the three, a bracket is going to be the toughest in the state too. So, um, you know, not going to diminish anything that, that coach Pearson and that team have done the past couple of years. Um, they, they play BV next week. I, I do expect Pearson to set the record next week. So yeah, kudos to him. It's been fun to watch this team. It's going to continue to be fun watching this team because they're going to continue to be good. So um, yeah, great win here. Good for coach Pearson and good for Princeton to uh, likely uh, another Mississippi crown for them. Mitch, I would agree that the class three, a bracket is going to be the Northern half of that three, a bracket is probably one of the toughest brackets in the state, but you know, as Ric Flair would say, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So let's see if, you know. That's, that's true. It, yeah. would be, it would be fun to see Princeton start taking down some of these big time, you know, names that we're seeing in that 3A bracket. So anyway, that'll be for a podcast down the road. But, uh, you well, know, you know Princeton- I, yeah, I would love to see, uh, you know, Princeton, Byron, Princeton, Stillman Valley, something classic like that, right? Yeah. I don't want to see IC Catholic. You know, I just don't. Yep. Um, well, Princeton yeah. Byron had a battle. I believe it was a seven to three final score in the semifinals a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. They've done battle in years past. So yeah, there's, uh, it's going to be exciting when it comes to playoff time. It's just, uh, it's a tough draw for Princeton. Cause I, again, I do think they're one of the best teams in the state. Um, it's just going to be a really hard road for them, but I have complete faith the way that they've been playing, who's going to stop them. So like you said, Rick Flair style. Mitch, when Princeton makes their deep playoff run, you're coming back and we're going to a Princeton game. It's a great playoff atmosphere. I would, Yeah, I would love to do that. Would love it. All right. Well, let's get into the rest of the games in the Three Rivers. How about this thriller? Newman wins 20-18 yeah. to over Spring Valley Hall, a game that literally came down to the final second of the game, the final play of the game. Newman comes from behind to win on a touchdown toss from J.J. Castle to Aiden Batten as time expired. Castle finishes five of six passing, 91 yards, and of course, that game-winning touchdown. He also added 45 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Mitch, did you see the video of this one? This was exciting. 
Yeah, great, great, uh, great video there. Great moment for for Newman. I was kind of following this game as it it just kind of kept going back and forth a little bit, and uh, you kind of almost sensed it, right? You, you almost sensed that something something special was going to happen. Um, Hall's had Hall's been in this situation a couple times. They they lost to Morrison similarly, right? Um, and I think there was another game that they were really close, close down to the final couple seconds of. So. Um, credit to Newman here. Great, great pass, great play from Castle, and uh, ultimately a great win. Nice, nice win for Coach LeMay. Yeah, very big win for Newman. You know, kind of keeps their playoff hopes alive here. They yeah. were sitting at three and three along with Spring Valley Hall. So both teams were desperate for that win, and Newman comes away with it. Um, like you said, Hall's played well this year. They were one and eight a year ago. So when yeah. you put that in perspective, what, what they've done here is is great and we'll see what they can do they have St. Bede next week and they have Bureau Valley in week nine so they still have a couple of chances to finish this one on a high note for Sterling Newman you know Mitch this is a team that you know we've kind of talked about it week in and week out there's been struggles offensively you know we we haven't seen a lot of the big time offense that we see from some of these Newman teams but to be able to scratch out a win it doesn't matter how you get it done you know, you walk away with that win, and it, it's a huge, I think, springboard into these, you know, this last playoff push here, the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly the game that you want to win to have that momentum. I think um, the game this week against Mendota is a winnable game. Um, certainly, deep, uh, sorry, Newman's defense is going to have to really play well. Mendota's offense has played well the last three or four weeks. So, um, but yeah, going to be a, a big, big week for Newman uh, to see if they can get yet another playoff bid yeah so newman has kiwani and mendota left on their schedule and mitch that's called the perfect segue into last week's game between kiwani and mendota kiwani comes away with the 35 34 win in overtime another thrilling last second game here as the boilermakers hold on Trailing 28-14 late in the third quarter, it's Mendota that battles back to force overtime on a Justin Randolph one-yard touchdown with under two minutes left. Kiwani strikes first in overtime. Mendota would score. They try to go for two and fall short. Mitch, I give him credit for, you know, the guts to go for it. They come up a little short in this one. Kiwani comes away with the win. Big win for the Boilermakers. Yeah, I, I said that I said at the top of the show that I wasn't surprised by many things this week. This one probably was a little bit of a surprise, right? Um, but a good win for the Boilmakers. On the Mendota side, Anthony Childs, we've talked about him all year, 265 yards. He scored four touchdowns in the game for them. So um, despite the loss, a, a great a great game for, for him. Um, but, but yeah, good for, good for Kiwani. I believe, what, that's their third win now? I think they're three and four. Um, I believe so. Um, yeah, great win for Kiwani uh, on Friday night. Yep. So Kiwani is now three and four. Mendota is also three and four. So that's where they both sit heading into the last two weeks of the regular season. Mitch, a few more games to run down in the Three Rivers. The game I was at, Rockridge gets the 35 21 win over Sherrard. Mitch, I I struggle to think of a game that I've been at recently that was more of a complete tale of two halves, just mm -hmm. completely different momentum, different vibes, just different energy from both sides. Sure. Rock Ridge 
early on in this one, could not get anything going offensively. Meanwhile, Sherrard looked great. Sherrard's combination of Holland Anderson to Carter Brown. Carter Brown, freshman wide receiver, has three wow. touchdown catches in the first half. And Mitch, they, they are not afraid. This Sherrard team was not afraid to air it out. They were going for the deep ball several different times. They didn't always get it. But when right. they did, man, they struck fast in this one. They got up 21-7 at half. So for the second week in a row, the Rockets are down 14-0. They do manage to completely flip the script. So here's the thing. When you're covering a game like this, you're never, you're always, you're always the guy that's the jinx. In the first half, I was the jinx for Rock Ridge. I got Rock Ridge fans saying that I, I'm because I'm there covering the game, I'm the jinx for them. Yeah. Then in the second half, when I stuck around, I became the jinx for Sherrard. And all the Sherrard right. fans thought I was the jinx because I was still there. So, right. you know, you can't well, win. There's no winning. It's one of those things, it's one of those things too, as when you're covering these games, and you stay, but not, that, that's not always the case, right? So yeah. had you just stayed in that first half and got Sherrard highlights, and then by yeah. the time you get back to the station, it's, it's a completely different game. That's, you know, those things do happen. So at least you were able to, to stick around. But, yeah, second straight week that Rock Ridge was down 14 nothing. Um, but as you mentioned, they completely, uh, turn it around at halftime. So good, good adjustments here from the Rockets. Alex Zalatanis, I'm sorry. There you go. You got it. Scored twice in the third. That's uh, tied the game at 21. And then a pick six from Cameron Bonsack put the Rockets up for good with four uh, minutes. The, the, pick, the, the pick six, the pick six tipped in the air by Landon <laughs> Bull. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Nick Bull, his son playing, playing well. Uh, so now Rock Ridge firmly in the playoffs at six and one and now two games ahead in the Rock division. So um, now we're, we're looking like, again, things can happen here this next two weeks that we're going to have Princeton be the Mississippi representative Rock Ridge being the Rock representative. Yeah. So just like I said, you know, when we started talking about this game, it just, I couldn't believe just the way, the, you know, the script kind of flipped over in the second half. Rock Ridge really came out and they played well now battling through some injuries. Peyton Locke was not playing in this one. And also quarterback uh, Jacob Bain was out in the second half for the Rockets. In steps Connor Dean moving from wide receiver into quarterback. Man, I yeah. give him a ton of credit because I don't know that he's taken a lot of quarterback reps in practice. I, I assume, you know, from what I've heard, he, he can throw, but I don't think he has a whole lot of reps doing it. So yeah. The Rockridge offense, to a certain extent, became a little more one-dimensional. They weren't really going to air it out a whole lot. And in that second half, they didn't, they didn't do it, and they didn't need to. Connor yeah. Deem was running the ball effectively. He was handing the ball off effectively, just really leading the offense and really kind of doing a great job of kind of setting the tone in that second half. Yeah, well, when you when you grow up, probably playing you know yard football with your brother Braden Dean, yeah, uh, you're going to be able to you know you're going to be able to learn to play any position on the field. So Braden Dean, obviously, uh, a big star for Rock Ridge last year. So now cool at Monmouth, the, now doing well at Monmouth College. So yeah, um, so so cool to see the the, the Dean legacy you know living on here. Um, it, it makes the win all that more impressive because Rock Ridge. Hopefully, again, we don't know the extent of the injuries. Hopefully, they're at full strength come playoff time. Um, I think this is a team that could make a little bit of a run in two way, depending on where they get placed, but if they finish eight, one, they'll be fine. Uh, so yeah, really, really cool to see good win for them being shorthanded. Yeah. And I should mention uh, Connor Deem also on the defensive side of the ball, 
they really Rockridge really controlled what Sherrard was doing in the second half, really kind of shut down that offense that looked really great in the first. And I think Connor Dean was a big part of that, you know, yeah. on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So credit to him really getting the job done offensively and defensively. It's obviously it's a huge win for Rock Ridge. I mean, a lot of momentum is building here. They've won, you know, they're on a what seven game winning streak now, six, six, yeah, 16 six game streak, yeah. winning streak since losing that first one. So, um, you know, all things are rolling for them, but we'll keep talking a little bit more about the games they have coming up here in a minute, but you can't keep getting down in a 14, nothing hole week in and week out. I said it last week and they did right. it again and proved me wrong, but yeah, you're getting into that time of year where you can't absolutely cannot do that. So, um, they're hosting Kiwani next week. Um, and hopefully they can, they can write this ship a little bit and get that, you know, fast start that, that they've been playing seemingly at least a half or three quarters with the past couple of weeks. So hopefully yeah. they can get that one a little bit quicker and not to uh, have to be in that position again. Yeah. Truth be told, they're probably just laughing at me because I said it last week and they said, ha, we did it again. And look, we're fine. Yeah. So, right. you know, yep. what, <laughs> what do I know? But anyway, yeah. Morrison, Morrison gets the 55 to 13 win over Orion Mustangs flip the script on this one, avenging a 30 to nothing loss to Orion last season. Mitch, I don't know if I saw 55-13 final in this one. Yeah, this was the one game that did stand out as a surprise to me because I, I didn't either. Um, I believe it's a season high in points for the, for the Mustangs. Good to see them put a, a game together like this. They've played well all year. You know, they're, they're so much better than they were last year. A couple of close losses, a couple of last-second losses. Um, but now sitting at three and four, I think they've got two games left that are winnable. Um, they've got Leroy this week out of conference game in place of the Riverdale game. Uh, I think Leroy is three and four. Don't play in the toughest conference. Don't have that all impressive of a resume. I think that's winnable. And then that would make an Erie Prophetstown game in week nine, a must win for their hopes to get back into the playoffs. So uh, what a turnaround that would be if they can, if they can do that, regardless, we've talked about Morrison a lot this year. They only have four seniors on the team. We're going to be talking, talking about them next year. I think a lot too. So Good win here. Good to see them put it all together. And uh, we'll see if they can make that final playoff push. Yeah, well, one of the teams that they'll be going up against, you just referenced, Erie Prophetstown gets the 33 to nothing win over Bureau Valley. Panthers roll over the storm here to keep their playoff hopes alive. Another big night from Jace Grunder. He's on the ground, getting the job done, but also a stout defensive effort. Mitch, talk about Grunder's numbers tonight, or the other night, huge. Yeah, I would love to see his season numbers. I haven't seen him. I did look for him, but uh, Grunner had 232 yards rushing on the night, four touchdowns, all of which came in the second half. So um, he's he's continued to impress. He's been impressive all year. You know, I, I think he's had four at least four touchdowns in, in probably four or five games. So um, a dynamic player for them. Great win for, for uh, the Panthers here. First time I saw the uniforms too, by the way. I hadn't seen their new look uh, recently. So uh, finally was able to see the all black at home uh, for Bureau Valley. Robert Novak had 23 rushes for 122 yards, a bright spot in the loss. Uh, but for EP, they, they close up the season with Monmouth Roseville and Morrison uh, needing, are they at four wins now? So they need one win of those two weeks to, uh, to qualify. So that week nine matchup could be a must win for Erie, Robinson and Morrison. Correct. Yep. Both, uh, both of them could have, could need that huge win in week nine, but let's look at the week eight schedule here. Kiwani at Rock Ridge, Bureau, Princeton at Bureau Valley, Mendota at Newman, Hall at St. Bede, Monmouth Roseville at Erie Prophetstown, Morrison hosts Leroy in the non-conference game there, 
and Sherrard at Orion. So the rivalry between Sherrard and Orion there. Um, yeah, Mitch, like you referenced, you know, some big games with a lot of playoff implications here. I look at that Morrison game against Leroy, and then I look at Monmouth Roseville against Erie Prophetstown. Those are ones that stand out to me right away. And then you start looking at, you know, Sherrard and Orion. Sherrard yeah. played better last week. They're now looking to play that role of spoiler on the road at Orion with Orion sitting at three wins. Yeah, the, the track, the, the finish, the track here is really going to be exciting. Um, I think that we're going to see some surprises here. Again, it can Morrison get in, can Erie get in teams that were are on the outside looking in maybe a little bit right now. Um, and we're going to get those, you know, those questions answered here in the final two weeks. So um, another, another exciting week. Um, just taking a look and see what maybe my most intriguing matchup is. I'll say Monmouth Roosevelt at Erie Prophetstown. Monmouth Roosevelt coming off a bye week. Yep. Um, I think both of those teams are four and three, right? Uh, yes. Or Monmouth Roseville and Erie Prophetstown. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, I, I hate to keep saying that all these games are must win, but it's also kind of where we're at in the season. So um, yeah, I'm looking at that one to being more of a, in terms of importance, in terms of playoff pushes, that's the one I'm looking at. All the other games, I think you can probably pick a winner and feel pretty confident about it. So looking at that one, maybe the most. Yeah, I mean, it just, I feel like every game we talk about here, and it, it is, I mean, almost every game in this list includes a team that's four and three or three and four. So right. all these games have a ton of playoff implications. I think, you know, I look at Kiwani at Rock Ridge. Can Rock Ridge kind of get off on the right foot and really set the tone early in that one, not stub their toe again, right. and really jump out and get that win against the Kiwani team that, again, Kiwani at three wins and mm -hmm. they have right. They have this game and then Newman in week nine. And, yeah. you know, so it's like, there's just so many layers here because then you look down the road to Mendota at Newman. I'm really intrigued by Newman now sitting at four wins. Can they get potentially to six wins? Can they beat Mendota and Kiwani in the last two weeks? I right. you know. I think that there's just a lot that stands out to me. St. Bede looking to bounce back against, a hall team that we've talked about being much improved. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just a lot of teams right in that middle ground, right? Right in that three and four, four and three type of record. Yeah. Just there's still a lot to be sorted out here in the playoffs, which is interesting. Yep. I think so too. I think probably of all the, all the conferences that we cover, there's so much that can still happen in the track, maybe more than, more than others, more than others. Cause there, there could be a team that looks like they're, they're primed to get a playoff spot. Yep. And it's something that could happen here in the next two weeks. I think it kind of goes back to what we talked a few weeks ago. We quickly realized that it was Princeton and then it was everybody else, right? That yep. we knew Princeton was the best team in the three rivers. Right. But I think what we didn't mention in that kind of statement is that that meant, and I think what's played out is there's a ton of parody now in the three yep. rivers, which right. I think makes for an interesting season. It certainly has made this season interesting when you start looking at some results, some things that have surprised us along the way, mm -hmm. some teams that have risen up a little bit. And, and I think that makes for a great season. I'm excited to see how this all plays out. We'll, we'll be reacting to it, I'm sure, on Friday night. So. Yeah, no question. Well, Mitch, getting into the Lincoln Trail Conference, Anawan Weathersfield gets the 34-13 to win over Stark County. This is the Titans' third straight win. They now lock in a playoff spot. They're sitting at 6-1 and overall, and they're 5-0, and in the conference, 
They're mm-hmm. sitting alone right now on top of the LTC standings, but right. there's still a lot to be played out in this Lincoln Trail Conference. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll go through this game and how it played out. Zeb Rashid and Dylan Ori opened the scoring in the first quarter for the Titans. Then it was Ori finding Mason Heitzler on a 69-yard touchdown pass. That put the Titans up 20-7 to in the second quarter. Two more touchdowns in the second half. That would put this one away for good. So Anawan Weathersfield, they're on a roll right now, Mitch, but they got two really tough games left in the Lincoln Trail Conference. So if they're going to win it, if they're going to prove they're the best, they're going to have to prove it against two of the better teams in the conference. Yeah, um, they've continued to be impressive all, all year. Um, again, I at the beginning of the season, I was thinking more that this would come down to Knoxville and Mercer County for the LTC crown. It still could. Um, you know, obviously now Robo Williams field kind of creeping into the scene a little bit. So for right now, and on Weathersfield, like you said, has, they, they are alone unbeaten at the top of the LTC really, really intriguing game against Robo Williams field next week. Um, and then who do they have in week nine and on Weathersfield, uh, and on Weathersfield and Mercer County in week nine. Okay. So yeah, two really, really good, uh, good games here for, for them to solidify their spot, not only atop the conference standings, maybe even get that crown, but then to get an even better seed in the 1A playoffs because any any better seed that you can get is going to be beneficial, I think. So, um, But one week at a time, this was a good win for them over a good start county team. And then the team that we're going to talk about next, really, really intriguing matchup in week eight. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Rova Williams Field, they're headed to the playoffs after they earn their fifth win of the year. They get the win 34-6 to over United. Quarterback Riley Danner, 16 for 20, 16 of 20, 206 yards and two touchdowns. Brian Bertelschofer, I believe I have it right now. They uh, they <laughs> sent us a corrected uh, message, so I believe that I pronounced it correctly. Let me, Bertels- yeah, let me, let me, let me step in here, Greg, because I feel like we've, it always seems like we're down on, on Roman Williams field, right? So yeah. they, they, they got on us about the mid-year player of the year. Um, I got corrected on Friday because I kept saying Rova and not Rova Williams field. So um, let me just clear the air here that this is, <laughs> all of this is, is unintentional. Uh, we, we are big fans of, of the team, big fan of the Cougars. One of my favorite uniforms uh, in, in all the teams that we cover. So just wanted to throw that out there that uh, apologies on, on my end for always just saying Rova. Truth be told, I thought the W stood for Williamsfield. Honest to God, I thought that that's what that was. <laughs> oh. so, Mitch, um, you need to do yeah. your Rova. You need to take a Rova history lesson here. Come on. I know. It's completely my fault. So, uh, again, Rova Williams Field, and, and as you mentioned it, if we get any names wrong, and this goes for everybody, if we get any names wrong, we're, we're terribly sorry, but we do appreciate them sending us their stats because we don't get that a lot from uh, teams in general and certainly teams from the LTC. So, shout out to, uh, to RW for, uh, for always doing that for us. Uh, Mitch, by memory, Rova is Rio, Oneida, Wataga, Victoria, and Altona. I want, I want you to verify that I just went through that without looking at any notes. You did, but let me say that I'm from Illinois. I've never heard of any one of those cities. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Uh, I, really, I, I, think, really I think I've actually been to all of them. So how about okay. that? Okay, that's, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And it is, getting back to the original point here, it is Bertel Schofer. So we have been pronouncing okay. it wrong. We got it now. So yeah, got it. regardless of how we pronounce it, he's been doing great. He ran for 102 yards and a touchdown. You had Adam Cole, Luke Nelson, Lewis Sams all scored for the Cougars as well. Danner now over a thousand yards on the season. Two big games remaining for the Cougars. Like we've talked about A&W and Knoxville. Yeah. 
Yeah, so eight, eight. Uh, Animal Wilders Field has Rover Williams Field, then they have Mercer County. Rover Williams Field has Animal Wilders Field, and then they have Knoxville. So yeah, those four teams, I could see, again, Animal Wilders Field at the top. I could see a scenario where they stay there. I could also see a scenario where there is just like this shifting of the four teams like minute by minute, right? Like if you're seeing it in real time, just going back and forth in the next two weeks. So yeah, this is, we, we just talked about the track, how there's a lot of things that could play out. The, the LTC maybe even uh, of a higher caliber because uh, I, I do think that that crown is still up for grabs amongst four teams. I don't know how tiebreakers are going to work out. I don't know how that shakes out, but um, it, it may not be an undefeated team like Anna Weathersfield is now. So really looking forward to seeing how these next two weeks play out. Yeah. Well, let's keep moving on. Knoxville gets the 54 to six win, an impressive non-conference win or a, a crossover game with the yeah. um, Prairie land. They get the big impressive win 54 to six over Illini West blue bullets recover from last week's loss to A&W. They had a 20 to nothing halftime lead. They cruise in this one. They earn their playoff qualifying fifth win impressive bounce back for Knoxville to say the least. Yeah, uh, a tough game. Again, one of those games that's going to play a huge part in determining who's going to be the conference champion here. Um, so good, good way to bounce back here. Bo Laws, 83 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Blue Bullet defense, they've been good. Uh, a lot of the year held IW to only 48 total yards, had four turnovers. And uh, after that first quarter, didn't allow a first down. So uh, great win for Knoxville. Now they're looking at week eight to lock in that sixth win. Um, and avenge a really good game last year that came down to the final, I think, final minute, right, against A-Town. That really, that gave A-Town the conference title last year. So things are a little bit different this year for A-Town. I expect Knoxville to get that sixth win, and uh, we'll be talking about them in the playoffs. Yep. A couple more games to cover in the Lincoln Trail. Prairie Central, 53-6 to six over Mercer County. Mitch, I, we thought Prairie Central was pretty good going into this one yeah. based on the resume. They really showed it in Alito on Friday night. The number six ranked Hawks in class 3A forced three turnovers in the first half, scored off each of them to dictate the tone of this one early on. Hawks defense proved to be impenetrable all night, allowing only 60 yards for the Golden Eagles. So really just a, a game to kind of erase if you're Mercer County, move along, you know, get back to Lincoln Trail Conference play and really focus on what you can control moving forward. Well, a good experience too, right? I mean, playing a team like that um, with, with who they've got left, obviously Stark County in week eight here and then uh, Anawana Weathersfield in week nine. So good experience here for them. And like you said, we, we were kind of aware of how good Prairie Central was, not quite sure. And then they just imposed their will on Mercer County in this one. So um, again, adds to that 3A, you know, uh, bracket there for, for them. So we might, we might see them again, but luckily... Uh, for Mercer County, they, they don't have to worry about that in playoff time. So, um, yeah, regroup here for the Golden Eagles. You got two weeks. And, and I, I talked about earlier, you're still in a, in a position there in the top four of the LTC to even be in a, in a you know, uh, scenario where you're coming away as the championship. Um, so regroup quick, big game against Stark County, and then uh, finish it off strong. Yep, still a lot in the at play here for Mercer County. One more game left in the in the Lincoln Trail. Princeville gets the big 42 to nothing win over A-Town. Prince is still on the outside looking in at three and four, but they have a winnable game in week eight against Walter Christian and then against uh, Stark County in week nine. So it's a must win for them. They got to win out 
but there's still a chance here for the Princes to get into the playoffs. Like I said, that kind of moves us into week eight here. You have Knoxville at A-Town. So the rivalry there between uh, Abingdon Avon and Knoxville, Stark County at Mercer County, Anawan Weathersfield at Rova Williamsfield, United hosting Rushville Industry in one of those Prairie Land crossover games, and Princeville, like we referenced, going on the road to Walther Christian. Mitch, I want to start with Anawan Weathersfield and Rova Williamsfield. And what I should have mentioned, did you see the stat line the other night? Matthew Sentney, the senior linebacker for the Titans, for Anawan Weathersfield, Mm -hmm. 24 tackles in the game the other night. Yeah, I should have mentioned it earlier in their recap, but 24 tackles. Mitch, yeah. do we have a potential player of the year on the defensive side of the ball? We've never done that in our couple of years here. Yeah, making making his name for it, right? Um, we should get more defensive stats from teams because I think that there's probably uh, some hidden gems in there because this is one that we weren't aware of. So, yeah, this is a star player on, on that defense. So, uh, going to have to do the same against Rova, right? This will be a big matchup of two really good quarterbacks, um, two really good offenses in general. So kind of like we were talking about Sterling and Moline, which defense here can really step up, right? Um, it seems like Anwan Weathersfield has played pretty well all year on the defensive side. Uh, not to say that, that Rova Williamsfield has not, but I do think that that's what's going to come down in this one. When you have two really good quarterbacks, which defense can make them more uncomfortable all night? Yep. What's really exciting here about these last couple weeks in the Lincoln Trail Conference is that there are several teams here that really have a chance to make a statement. Mm-hmm. When you start looking at Rova Williams Field with A&W this week and Knoxville the following week, or you have, you know, Stark County, who's got Mercer County this week, there's a chance to make a statement there if they can come away with a huge win. You also have Mercer County, which has that a and W game left on their schedule. So, you know, just all these different matchups can, can Anwan Weathersfield, can they run the table here and beat Rova Williamsfield and Mercer County to end the season with only one loss. And then essentially yeah. they'd take the LTC crown. I think but, there's just so much opportunity for statements to be made here. Let me, let me make a prediction here. Okay? All right. I think Princeville's going to make it to the playoffs at three and four right now. Wow. I think that, okay. I, I don't, Walter Christian is not good. Nope. They're going to beat Walter Christian. So that leaves a week nine against Stark County. I think the way that Princeville is going to play on two really good uh, back-to-back weeks of good offense, because, again, I expect that to happen against Walter Christian. So a 42-0 win here over A-Town, another big win potentially against Walter Christian. I think the way that they're playing, I don't think Stark County is going to beat Mercer County. You know, Stark County is kind of on a, on a skid a little bit. I think they were 4-1, and one, and I think now they've lost yep, two in they've a row. Yep, they've lost two in a row. So they could be on a three-game skid going into that game where Princeville's kind of on a high. I that's my prediction. I think Princeville is gonna is gonna finish the regular season at five and four. I I'm going to uh, respectfully disagree. I think okay. that uh, okay. I don't know what happens this week. I think it's a tough road game to go to George Pratt Memorial Field. Yep. I think I think if they play well, I think they can catch they can catch a Mercer County team here and bounce back. But I will say okay. they get the win over Princeville in Week Nine. Okay. We'll see. We shall see. How about Knoxville at A-Town? I know it doesn't have the same, you know, big time feel as it had last year, but it's yeah. still one of the more epic longtime rivalries in our area yeah. going back to the old, you know, Abingdon days. So right. 
That one's always a fun matchup. This year, it's in in Abingdon. Like we said, getting back to it, it's just who's going to make that statement, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we kind of joked when we got started here, but uh, about Rova Williams Field and kind of our, you know, back and forth with them this year. But honestly, yep. before the season started, if you go back and listen to those, we were high on this team. We thought that there was a lot of talent coming back, and I really like what coach Grant Goldstrand is doing there. And I, we were excited for this team and they're I, right I, there yeah. in that position. They're going to be one of my favorites next year to, to win and when we, when it comes down to predictions, because I think they bring like everybody back. I think they're okay. very, very young this year. So I think we're going to be talking about them in this kind of same position next year, where they're going to be kind of where Anon Weatherfield is now sitting at the top of this conference. Cause I'm really been impressed with what they've been doing, really impressed with how young that they are. So um yeah and, and again that makes that this week game all that much more fun to uh, to look forward to and uh, we'll see what happens all right well uh speaking of other teams that are fun to watch mitch how about uh lena winslow we'll get into the northwest of state illini pretty fun lena winslow gets the 44 to 18 win over dupec i mean this essentially became the you know northwest of state illini conference championship here yeah. You know, two of the big names coming into the season. No no disrespect to Ful- Fulton or Forreston, but I think right. these are the two names we kind of had circled. And uh, Lena Winslow continues to impress. They come away with the win here. And it's the names we've talked about. All three Lena Winslow running backs go for over 100 yards and score at least one touchdown. Gunnar Lobdell, 184 yards rushing and two scores. Gage Dunker at 154 yards, three touchdowns. Jake Zeal, 116 carries on or 116 yards on just 12 carries. 116 carries would be a lot in a game. That would be that would be something that Lena Winslow could pull off, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't they don't pass ever. So maybe with with one person that'd be a lot, but as a team, uh, they could probably do it if it was yeah. some sort of blowout game. So the Panthers now take the stronghold. They're seven and zero in conference play. Or sorry, they're seven and zero overall. They're six and zero in conference play. One game lead over Fulton, and then they're two games up now on Dupec. So that's a team we thought would be in the mix. Certainly, they have just continued to dominate week in and week out. They look like the best team in Class One A. They look primed to make another run. Yeah, I think the big thing here with Lena Winslow is the rise of Gunnar Lobdell. Right? Yep. Um, he played so well at Orangeville last year, but. It is a different beast between eight man and 11 man. And so I think that there was a couple of weeks, probably the first three weeks, we, did, we weren't calling Lobdell's name a lot. Um, and, and whether that was because, uh, you know, adjusting to 11 man again or getting used to the Lee Wynn system, but whatever it was, the past handful of weeks, he just continues to put up really, really good numbers and just <laughs> as if the Panthers needed another dynamic player on both sides of the ball for that matter. Um, so yeah, the, a team that, again, to use your, your Ric Flair reference, I, I don't know who's going to beat them. There are strong teams in 1A. Um, you know, Colfax is, is going to be really good, a team that Lee Wynn played in the playoffs last year yep. and, and, and beat. Um, so uh, again, really looking forward to seeing Lee Wynn's playoff push. Um, they've got games against Stockton this week, and then they close with Forreston. So um, the forcing game last year was was pretty crazy with yep. Forreston winning that one. I don't foresee that happening this year just with how how well Lena's been playing. So kudos to them. Again, we're, we're really looking forward to seeing what they can do in 1A because I think we're, we're potentially looking at yet another championship uh, there, there in Lena. Yep. Well, looking at the 1A playoffs, a game that was very significant for that Class 1A bracket, 
Dakota and Galena essentially playing a playoff play-in game. It was almost a must-win. It was a must-win for both teams vying for that playoff spot as the Indians that come out with a 30-7 to win over Galena. Thomas Bowman had a pair of first-quarter touchdowns. He would score again in the third late in the game. He would score a third touchdown late in the game to pace the Indians. So Dakota trying to get back to the playoffs for the first time since 2018. They'll have a chance next week against West Carroll to really put themselves in a great spot to grab that fifth win. Yeah, and I think they will, right? Um, Dakota playing well. Had that weird loss to EPC, but they've bounced back since then, beating Galena last week. uh, Sorry, Galena this week, I'm sorry. Um, And with a chance to win against West Carroll. So good to see the Indians kind of back in the fold. I think the conference is better when they're better. Um, So shout out to, to Coach Dan Sheets getting that program turned around quickly. And a great win here for the Indians. Yeah, it certainly seems like a lot of positive momentum building in that program. And they were, you know, certainly hungry for that, you know, ready for that turnaround. And they, they've, they've yep. made it happen so far. So they got themselves in a good spot here. Fulton gets the win 30 to 28. Mitch, this was a wild game. Were you following along with this one on Friday night? Yeah, th- yeah this, this was just going back and forth. Um, I think roller coaster is the best way to put it. It was sloppy. I, you know, there, there was miscues for both teams. Um, but, but again, back and forth, uh, steamers kind of came out on top. I saw Patrick lower say that they were fortunate that the clock went to zero in this game because yeah. it was just, it was just such a wild game for, for both teams. So yeah, Fulton comes out on top uh, in a very, very wild game that they had to come back from a 22 to three hole on. I was going to say, yeah, that was what stuck out to me when I saw these highlights. Forreston led this one 22-3 early on, despite losing two first-quarter fumbles, like you referenced, kind of a sloppy game. Forreston outgained Fulton all night, but they were hurt by, you know, multiple miscues. And just what an effort by Fulton to come back in this one. Yeah. Sorry, I was <laughs> moving my screen. Um yeah, so the biggest the biggest thing that happened with with Forrest and leading, um, they they tried a squib kick, and it went to Connor Sheridan of, of the Steamers, and he just kind of received it and ran all the way back. <laughs> so it, it was really just a, an odd miscue on special teams for Forreston, but for Fulton, it, it gave them all the momentum that they have, and he scored that with ten seconds left in the in the first half. So um, Fulton would eventually add a, uh, sorry, build up to a 23 to 22 lead. Forreston retakes the lead on a Brock Smith touchdown midway through the fourth. Uh, and then with just under four to play right around 322 left, Fulton dials up some trickery. Uh, Dom Kramer throws a halfback option touchdown pass to the six foot six Balin Damhoff. He was triple covered. Didn't matter one bit. Scores. <laughs> Fulton goes up. They, they, they walk away carefully with the win now playoff eligible at five and two forced in a much much dire situation there to get them into the playoffs yeah getting back to that halfback pass I suppose if you're going to call that up it's good to have that six six frame that Damehoff to throw to when you're going on that quarter on that halfback pass option so right yeah um <laughs> there, was, there was some controversy on that coach Janicki of, of Forston uh was protesting this one he thought the back was in motion um, there was a couple other plays on the night that that just either team really agreed with. So just it was a lot of drama in this one too. So, um, but regardless, Fulton walks away 
uh, with the win, and uh, they're sitting good. Well, let's get through one more game here. Eastland Pearl City gets the big win over West Carroll, 61 to nothing. Wildcats scored six first-half touchdowns on their way to their second win of the season. Mitch, let's jump right into week eight here. Dakota at West Carroll. Forreston goes on the road to Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. That's a huge non-conference matchup. Yeah, that's a huge game for the Cardinals. Yeah, sorry, sorry to stop you. I missed a game in our recap here. Um, oh, as, as Stockton got the win, fifty-nine to twelve over Fieldcrest. So oh, that over was, Fieldcrest. Yeah, and yeah, actually, so, that was when I saw yeah. it. It was on Saturday afternoon, correct? Yeah, I think so. So my my apologies uh, to to you on the notes here, and apologies for leaving that out for for the Blackhawks. So nice one for them. They get the three. Um, they finished the season with Lena and Dupec. So um, not, not a, the way you want to have a season come down to with, with two games like that, but um, good, good win against Phil Chris here for the Blackhawks. Mitch, I can't be too critical because you literally did all the notes this week. So yeah, I really, right. <laughs> I really can't be that critical of you, but also I did see this on Saturday that Stockton got this win and Mitch, it might take a little effort. I'm, I'm going to look up. I want to see what, our team's records were against non-conference opponents this year. I feel like it's been pretty good, right? Yeah, LTC. I would be interested to see because they have they have so many good teams in the in the Prairie Land that they. But I think over. early in the year we were getting those. We being the Lincoln Trail Conference, our area. I think the Lincoln Trail was getting some of those wins. I think uh, yeah, Stark County had one. I think Mercer County had one. So. Yeah, Dupec, I'm just going to run right through it. Dupec beat Knoxville. Uh, Lena beat Marion, Woodstock Marion. Mm -hmm. uh, EPC plays Chester the last week of the season. Uh, Galena beat Madison. Fulton had that tough loss to Muskegon Central Catholic, Catholic Central out of, out of Michigan. Yep. Um, Forreston has their out-of-conference game this week against GCMS and Dakota won theirs against Chicago Christ the King. So, yeah, I think you're onto something. I think we could look that up with, uh, with other conferences. Um, obviously, the Western Big Six plays two. Each team plays two out of conference games. So, yeah, that, that'd be a, a fun little nugget to look up. Yeah, well, because quickly looking through, like you said, the Lincoln Trail and the Prairie Land, you had Mercer County got the win over Knoxville. Anawan Weathersfield got the win over West Hancock. Um, you had United got the win over Walter Christian. Um, let's see. It was Stark County got the win over Nokomis and they got the win over Elmwood Brimfield. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Well, I, and now, yeah. And now you got me curious. So I went to the Western big six because with, with the track, I think yeah. we saw more team. I think we saw more teams in the track, not have that makeup game for Riverdale. I think we saw a lot of bye weeks Some yes. teams did. Some teams found games, other teams didn't, but at least for Western big six, where they automatically had two out of conference games. Yep. Uh, UT was, was 0 and 2 when they're out of conference. Galesburg was one and one. Galesburg one and one. Moline one and one. Uh, Quincy was two and zero out of conference. Alleman was one and one out of conference. Rock Island was one and one and one out of conference. And Sterling was one and one out of conference. So yeah, um, yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more uh, evenness, I guess, there in the Western Big Six. But certainly for uh, the NUIC and Lincoln Trail, uh, some good, some good. A nice record for for out of conference. All right. Well, maybe as we as we said, we I would do it this week, but we kind of already did it. But we'll have to add. Yeah, we the, we'll add it up. We'll crunch the numbers. Anyway, let's get back to the Northwest Upstate Illini yeah, after right? that. Yeah. After that long detour, after our we're, side, yeah. we're back into week eight for the Northwest Upstate Illini. 
Dakota at West Carroll, Forreston at Gibson City, Melvin Sibley, Eastland Pearl City at Fulton, Dupec at Galena, Stockton at Lena Winslow. Mitch, the big one for me, it's the non-conference game. It's Forreston going on the road mm-hmm. to Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. It, it becomes kind of a must-win game for them because in week nine, they have Lena Winslow. And obviously, right. they've proven they can beat Lena Winslow, but that was last year. That was, you know, two different teams. So this is a very significant game. Gibson City, Melvin Sibley is three and four. They're out of the heart of Illinois small school conferences, small uh-huh. school side. They, they've played Downs Tri-Valley and Ridgeview Lexington the last two weeks, and they've lost Oof. both of them. They've lost three in a row now. Well, they, those are two, two of the top teams in the state in their respective classes. So not yep. an easy, not an easy run of games for GCMS here. Um, yep. I, just I'm looking conference wide. You know, obviously I think Lena will will beat Stockton, but then you've got a chance for for Dupec and Fulton to get six wins. You've got a chance for Dakota to get their fifth win, and then obviously Forreston a chance to get their fifth win. So I think we're going to see that play out this week. I think we're going to see teams either get locked in or get qualified here. Um, and we'll be looking at what five teams from the NUIC getting into playoffs. So kind of what we expected um, and, uh, and cool to see their, their run of dominance continue. Yeah, for sure. Um, interested to see how this all plays out. And as always, we expect, we expect these teams to do well in the postseason. They've proven it year in and year out. The problem is man, Mitch, every time we talk about it, I just wish we would have had a one through 32 seating. So we're not no. seeing some of our teams playing each other, but right. Yep. Maybe one of these days, fingers crossed yep. and, you know, it's something, some- to look, yeah, something to look forward to. Yep. Hopefully. All right. Let's get into the eight man ranks. Mitch, before we get going into the scores and looking ahead is eight man football, like the most, ex- the most entertaining class we cover needs, needs more love. It absolutely needs more love. Now I say that knowing that it's mainly because there's less teams, but by being less teams, man, it creates like top 10 matchups week in and week out. I mean, this has been really exciting season for eight man football and it's, it's only getting better as as these weeks go along. So let's jump into some of the final scores. Aquin got the 50 to nothing win over Rockford Christian life. AFC gets the 26 to eight win over Galva Amboy gets the big win, 62-8 over Bushnell Prairie City. Orangeville falls to Alden Hebron, 42-36. Polo had the 60-14 win over River Ridge. Mitch Polo continues to put up big numbers. They amass 436 yards and seven touchdowns in the, in the win. Brock Soltau, he was the bell cow for him. 11 carries, 242 yards, and four touchdowns. That moves the Marcos to five and two. They're sitting at five and two, but that's an impressive five and two resume. They've looked good this year. Yeah, and, and Soltau's looked good his whole career, right? Um, he had yeah. touchdown runs, touchdown runs uh, this week of 63, 45, 62, and 28 yards, um, and had an 80 yard pick six. So yeah. Just a, yeah. A walk in the park day for him. But on his career, um, he's just 62 yards shy of 3,000 yards rushing in his polo career. So kudos, kudos to him. Um, such a great career that he's had at polo. Um, and certainly expect him to surpass that and then some this coming week. Yeah. So Mitch, I say that, you know, they're sitting at five and two, but they've been battle tested. They lost to Amboy in week one of the season, and then they lost to Milledgeville in week four. And, mm-hmm. and otherwise they've passed every test. 
two games left against Flanagan, Cornell Woodland, and Freeport Aquin. So, you know, this polo team, I think, don't sleep on them. They're the, you know, two-time defending state champions right. for a reason. And I almost feel like in the NUIC, they were getting a little outshadowed, right? We were talking a lot about Amboy. We were talking a lot about Milledgeville. And I just, you know, you got to look at Polo and not forget they're there because they have the pedigree. They've proven it. Yep. yep. And, and again, like you said, that we, we see these games week in and week out. So um, if, if teams have losses like Polo does, they were the really good teams. And not to say that they won't match up again in the playoffs. So. Um, yeah, re- really exciting. Polo is going to be one of the teams to look out for um, to make a run in the playoffs. No question about it. Yeah, another another game to cover. A big score here, seventy to thirty eight. Ridgewood Ooh. gets the win on the road in Williams Bay, Wisconsin, traveling across state lines to get the win here. So the road trip, they found themselves down fourteen nothing early, but quickly erased that. They stormed back for a total of seventy points. Mitch on. 531 yards, mm-hmm. all, all on the ground. Mitch, this is Ooh. your kind of football team here. Yeah, I think I texted you. This is the eight-man Lee win. Uh, <laughs> it here. is. So, yeah, we, yeah, we like that. So, uh, Gavin McDonough led the ground attack, 290 yards and four touchdowns. So, yeah, this this is a ground and pound type of team. We like to see that. So now they're six and one. Great in the, in their first year in eight man, right? So great, great season here for Ridgewood. Yeah, I saw Coach Elder and uh, the Ridgewood Spartans uh, Twitter account tweeted out. Uh, they got T-shirts mocked up for their, their playoff push, for their playoff Perfect. T-shirts. So they're ready to go. They're excited in Cambridge and Alwood. And for good reason, they've built an impressive resume here. Their only stumbling block was against a team we're going to talk about next in West Central. West Central looked really good on Saturday afternoon. Mitch, before we jump into the game, West Central and Milledgeville, it's unfortunate that sometimes, you know, football kind of, you know, pales in comparison to, to life and to really tough situations. Uh, really unfortunate, scary situation in Milledgeville. Three of their student athletes, three of their football players involved in a serious car accident on Sunday afternoon. Um, I, so our thoughts and prayers go out to the Milledgeville community. I saw Kyle Campmeyer sent out a message on his uh, NUIC football Facebook page. And immediately you saw people responding from Polo, from West Central, from Freeport, from everywhere around the area, from Orangeville, from all the local schools. So, you know, really cool to see that support and see multiple communities joining together in a really tough situation. Yeah, an awful situation, really. So um, football takes a backseat to, to anything, really. Um, but uh, again, instances like this just show how strong of a community that, that we have you know, in, in the area, um, everyone pulling together for, for a common cause. So we, we hope for the best here in this situation. Um, and our prayers go out to the whole Milledgeville community as they, uh, as they work through it. Yep, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll backtrack back to Saturday and it's, you know, never easy to make the transition back to the yeah. football field, but we'll, we'll switch back. West central gets the win over Milledgeville 64 to 36. I did get a chance to watch a good chunk of this game on Saturday afternoon it was a uh, live streamed, uh, you know, YouTube live stream looked beautiful in Milledgeville on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I got to give a quick shout out Mitch to Kyle Leach. He was on the play-by-play call for Milledgeville, even gave our podcast a shout out. So mm-hmm. we really appreciate that. And their, their live broadcast looked and sounded great. So yeah, credit sure to did. them. It was, it was a fun watch and a fun listen. 
I was really impressed with West Central in this one. I, I think Milledgeville is a good football team. I was really impressed with West Central. They jumped down to lead in this one, but the missiles would keep it close. Micah Tom Smiths scored on a 47-yard touchdown. That would cut the lead to 20-6 to in the middle of the first half. But that's where the turning point was. Milledgeville recovers an onside kick, but they go three and out. After the punt, the heat on the first play from scrimmage, Caden Drosty gets to the outside, goes down the sideline for 88 yards. That made it 26-16. It was a total. They'd score 20 straight points. They would lead 40-16 to at half. So you felt like it was going to be a real back-and-forth game. And then, man, just in the blink of an eye, West Central really jumps out in this one. They, they looked really impressive on offense. Obviously, Drosty continues to get the job done, but they didn't miss many tackles either. They were, once they got to the man, once they got to a ball carrier, they were wrapping him up and he was going to the ground quick. Yeah, well, you, you talk about bling of an eye. That's just about as quick as Drosty is, right? Yeah, so Yeah. You, you finished the half, the half, Greg, with 368 yards and five touchdowns. So yep. uh, one, of the, one of the most dynamic players that we cover um, and probably haven't given him enough love here um, as we we hope to continue to shine light on the eight man because you see performances like that you see great athletes like this um across the whole division so to speak so yeah west central they moved up to number one in my rankings here i think they did for you too um we'll talk about the reason why that happened here in the next game but regardless of that west central continues to play really really well um and anticipate them making a deep run in the playoffs mitch you want to talk about you know impressive resumes we referenced Polo, who now sits at five and two. Milledgeville has a forfeit loss in the middle of their schedule, which has not been updated on IHSA. But either way, they're sitting at four and three. Mm -hmm. This is a Milledgeville team that's four and three. Their losses are to Amboy, who's six and one. And that game was 40 to 36 final. Yep. Their other loss was to Decatur Lutheran. That loss was 58 56. Decatur yep. Lutheran's undefeated, and I believe now probably ranked number two in the state in eight-man. Yep. And their third loss coming to West Central, who's also 7-0, probably ranked number one in eight-man. Right. So you talk about – I know it's because, like I said, there's just not as many teams, so they're playing a lot of non-conference games like this, but I right. love it. These are great yep. non-conference matchups, and, man, Milledgeville will certainly be battle-tested come playoff time. Yeah, I think so too. So, uh, again, it's going to be – it's going to be tough uh, again because what the top 16 teams get in is that right yep correct um, and so all 16 are going to be really really good teams regardless of your record so yeah i could absolutely see millersville playing well they're probably going to get matched up with a really good west central type team they could this could be a rematch in round one they could rematch with with decatur lutheran or they could see uh you know milford cessna park um and, and still wouldn't give the edge to those those unbeaten teams against a team like Millersville because they are battle tested, as you said, really good football program. And, uh, you know, they'll bounce back from this one for sure with a couple games left. Well, let's look at, you know, we might as well plug Kyle, uh, Camp Meyer at NUICfootball.com. He's got his eight man uh, projections, playoff mm-hmm. projections. He would have Millersville sitting right in the middle at a number seven seed. Okay. So he, he has them predicted to end up at six wins. So they has a predicted to win out, end up at the seven seed against the number 10 seed West Prairie. That would also be six. Okay. So, okay. man, I think that's a, 
that's a tough Milledgeville team sitting at six and three come playoff time. I think they'll be, yeah. they'll be a team that's gone through the gauntlet in the NUIC. Well, Mitch, let's run down a few other games. The game that really caught my eye looking statewide, uh, St. Thomas Moore out of Champaign gets the 34-26 win over Milford Cisna Park in double overtime. Mm-hmm. So St. Thomas Moore taking down the previously unbeaten top-ranked Milford team. So that, I think, kind of paves the way for this West Central team to be the best team in, in, class, in the eight-man class right now. Yeah, I think so, too. We, this was a game that kind of finished late. Um, and so after all the, all the craziness of, of Friday night, then this game kind of unfolds in, in two OT. So, yeah, big, big shakeup here in, in eight-man rankings with, with, with Milford Cisna Park uh, kind of cruising up until this point. So, uh, again, we, we just keep saying it. It's going to sound like a broken record. There's so much talented and so much talented teams in eight-man football that anything – a game like this could happen at any point to anybody. So it's going to make the rest of the, the couple weeks here more exciting and going to make those playoffs must-watch. Must Yep. Well, another team that is unbeaten in the eight man ranks, Decatur Lutheran gets the 52 to 34 win over Danville Schlarman. At this point, it's not week eight, but in week nine, you have Milford Cisna Park and Decatur Lutheran squaring off against each other. So not in our area, but a huge matchup in the eight man in ranks coming in week nine. Let's look at week eight, though, quickly. Amboy at Aquin, Milledgeville at River Ridge. Orangeville at South Beloit, Flanagan Cornell Woodland at Polo, Galva at West Central, and Ridgewood at Salt Fork. So, you know, looking down the way here, I think, um, you know, you got Amboy and Aquin. Amboy's got to keep rolling, keep their playoff position. Um, Same thing with um, Milledgeville and River Ridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm looking – Looking at that Polo a game uh, against Flanagan, um, just to see if Polo can keep it going. Uh, again, keep uh, building off of this good win that they had this week and overcome some of those earlier season losses. So, um, yeah, getting getting down into it here um, in, in the final final two weeks. Yeah, what's really interesting to me, Mitch, when we'll wrap up this eight-man talk, is that, you know, the last few years, obviously Polo is the two-time defending champion. Mm-hmm. last year in the state championship game they beat orangeville and mm-hmm. we had looked last year it was polo and milledgeville and orangeville and then amboy was really coming on strong right. at the end of the season those were kind right. of the top four in all of eight-man football across the state i think this year you're finally seeing that the eight-man ranks maybe aren't so top heavy anymore i think there's yeah. six or seven teams across the state that we've just named like Decatur Lutheran, like West Central, Milford Cisna Park, that are all proving themselves. So I think that's what's fun about this eight-man rank. As it continues to grow and develop, you're seeing these programs really become powerhouse programs, and they're challenging teams from our area. Right. And yeah, I, oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, along with that, you still watch out for Polo, Amboy, Milledgeville. Right. You know, they, they all have great resumes coming from this really strong side of the state. Yeah, I, I think you'll see a handful of teams that are going to come into the playoffs at six and three and have just as much of a chance as undefeated teams. So, um, yeah, really, really going to be exciting here to see how this plays out, see how the final six teams shake out, where they're ranked, where they're seated, and uh, just full steam ahead on the playoffs because that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're getting there, man. We're counting down the yeah, weeks now. Actually, speaking of the playoffs, I do want to um, 
send a quick plug to the NUIC football and Kyle Campmeyer, uh, View from the West and myself will be joining forces for a live playoff preview show. So on Saturday, October 22nd, seven o'clock, when the brackets for the IHSA will be announced that night, we'll actually go live on YouTube. We'll have a, a panel discussion with Kyle and uh, Kyler Murdian and Greg Pruis, a couple of guys we had on there last year. And uh, we'll kind of break down what we think the brackets are going to look like. And then as the brackets get unveiled, you know, you can always watch the IHSA bracket show on mute and you can listen to, you know, our coverage and we'll give you right. the inside scoop on what's going on. Basically eight man through class three, a we're covering all of it on this side of the state. And then our view from the West podcast will cover obviously all of our teams going into the Western big six and down the way. So we'll have a ton of playoff previews and projections and, all the information, but I wanted to make sure to plug that show nuicfootball.com and NUIC football on YouTube. You can find it and find that live show October 22nd at seven o'clock. So yeah, we're weird to think that we've only got two episodes left really of recaps and then we're just right into playoffs. So yeah, um, it, it, it's gone by quick, but, but like I talked about at the beginning, this is really for me, the most exciting time of the year when that first playoff, when those, when that show starts, when those seedings come out and the brackets come out, that's it's Christmas morning or Christmas evening I should say, because that's when it really gets, really gets fun. And, uh, and, and fall football is at its best. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you to everyone who listens, Mitch. Thank you for joining me. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody tune in. Let's go back and listen to the instant reacts podcast. If you haven't already stay tuned, we'll have an instant reacts podcast coming next week. Mitch, did you hear the conversation at the beginning of the instant reacts? Brian stocking needs an official title at the score. Yeah, well, I did hear that he is inferior uh, in Twitter to me, and that was really when <laughs> he, I stopped. That's really, he openly admitted that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's when I stopped listening because that's <laughs> such it's such high praise that because you to were too me. busy patting yourself on the back. Well, no, like, it's just high praise. I had to kind of let it soak in. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I I wish I could see it now because I don't want to say it without looking it up. I saw an article that had mentioned one of Stocking's tweets. I don't remember what it, it said. It was. It was early in the season, like an Orion game, I think. No, it was. Oh, it no. Was, it, was, it was more recent. I think it was, oh, I don't even remember what outlet it was, but I think they called it like QC Sports Guru or something, Brian Stocking, okay. like that. And I wish I could find it. I'll never be able to look it up, but it made me laugh. So, yeah, he's, he's a man of many, many talents. He wears many, many hats. Um, and, and one title wouldn't be sufficient enough. So whatever he puts on there is, is completely fine. Well, as a, as a tease ahead to the listeners here, listen into the Instant Reacts podcast on Friday. And uh, Mitch, maybe you can get in on this, uh, on this one this week because okay. we do have some submissions for uh, names. Oh, okay. Yeah, so right. a, a, wise, a wise, talented uh, man who's worked with Brian Stocking for a long time has submitted his, uh, his, his names. So okay. good. Dan yeah, Pearson has all the goods. That's what I'm going to say. So we'll, yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the best man for the job. So if we so got to we'll unveil all of the, I, I literally okay. read his text with all these names. I was laughing out loud. So I can't wait. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss them with Brian and, you know, in, in real time next week. So that sounds, that sounds like a plan for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you to everyone. We will see you on Friday for the instant reacts podcast and Mitch will be back next week and we'll see how this all shakes out. Sounds good. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. 
You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.